Welcome to Healing Begins. My name is Pastor Gail Crock, and I'm listening. This program is brought to you by Family Tree Medical of Hastings, Michigan. And if you caught the previous program from the night before, I talked about soul slivers and how they impact your mind, your emotions, your body, and your mental health. So today, I'm going to do a short review of that so there's a chance that who's ever listening this morning um, did not catch last week's program. And so I went into depth and I talked about soul slivers. And soul slivers are hurting events that happen to us in life that affect our mind, our body, and our souls. They're hurting events. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says, May the God of peace sanctify you through and through. May your spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless to the coming of our Lord. And we talked the last time about how when we get a hurting event that happens to us, many times they stick in our souls like a sliver in the finger. And then if we don't get healing for those hurting events, we can get what we would call as a soul infection, which is evidenced by stress, anxiety, depression, anger, rage, so on and so forth. If you, can, if you continue not to get healing from those hurting events, the first place that's going to be affected is your mind. How's your mind affected? It's affected by anxiety. So you go to your doctor and you say, Doctor, doctor, I'm having a lot of anxiety in my mind, and he gives you a medication. Now, we talked the last time, how about we're not against medication. We say it's a yes and a yes, and medication actually is a bridge to a better place. But if you continue not to get healing for the emotions and not to get healing for those events that have hurt you, they begin to cause chemical changes and reactions in your body, which can eventually cause Epstein-Barr, fibromyalgia, irritable bowel, so on and so forth like that. And so we want to talk about reversing the process. So in other words, if you have a mental health diagnosis like bipolar, manic depressive, or whatever your diagnosis is, and you'd like to get better, which I think is should be the goal of counseling, should be the goal of uh, when you go through healing is actually to get better, then we wanna, I want to talk a minute about reversing that process and how you can get better. And so if you want to get better from mental health issues, it's not going to happen overnight. You've developed these for a number of years or even months. And those hurting events that have happened years ago have deeply affected your soul and your mind. But you can get healing for those. You know, it says in 3 John verse 2, I pray, brothers, that above else, that you would prosper and be in good health, even as your soul is getting along well. And when I developed the healing process we use as spiritual care years ago, I asked the Lord to show me another way. So in other words, I was sick of helping people in the fact that you would help them, and a year later you find them back in the same ditch you helped them get out of. Now, I realize that some of that is personal responsibility, uh, I was doing all that before I came to spiritual care, trained in all these different healing models, and finally, I just got burnt out on it all until we started spiritual care in 2007, and the Lord began to show me a new way to help people. 
in that way is called the heart of healing because God's heart is to heal you. And that's what I want to share with you right now. I want to share with you the teaching called the heart of healing that we use before we put people through inner healing. So how to reverse the process? There's a number of things we have to do. First of all, we got to identify the hurting events that have happened in your life that have so deeply affected you today. Not only must we identify them, but we must get healing from the pain of those events. And so identify the events, teaching on the heart of healing. Then you got to go through inner healing on each event. Then we have a section on identity and a section on new pathways, new ways of thinking. And then we have a three-year follow-up process. Now, you get out of the process what you put into the process. And so today I'm going to begin to teach you the heart of healing because God's heart is to heal you. So when we talk about the heart of healing, we talk about how uh, the heart of healing or the spiritual care process is built on a logic model. And what I mean by that is simply this. You have feelings and emotions that come along with the hurt and the pain that you have been through. And those feelings and emotions are not wrong. And you deserve to have them. It's all right to be angry. But those feelings and those emotions can get in the way of the healing process that you're about to go through. So I'm going to ask you for just a second to set aside those feelings and emotions that you're feeling right now and think with me logically why it would pay to do what I'm about to suggest. So in spiritual care, we talk about taking things off my hook and putting them on God's hook. Because unforgiveness is more about you than it is about the other person. And to get rid of the pain of an event, the first thing we got to do is talk about forgiveness and why that is so key about getting free. Forgiveness is really a gift you give yourself. Forgiveness does not mean what happened to you is all right. Forgiveness does not mean you're going to let down your boundaries and let people run over you. Forgiveness means I'm going to take them off my hook. I'm going to put them on your hook. I'm going to give them to you, Lord. I'm going to let you deal with them. Because when I'm the one that's unforgiving, I'm the one in prison and the bars of my cell are stress, anxiety, depression, anger, rage, so on and so forth. And the guy that is hurting me, uh, my unforgiveness isn't hurting him, it's hurting me. Unforgiveness is like taking a glass of poison and drinking it myself. And you don't want to do that. Some other reasons why it's good to forgive. Matthew 18 says, if you don't forgive, you'll have mental torment. Ephesians 4, 26 or 27, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Don't give the devil a foothold. Well, hey, I don't want to give the devil a foothold in my life, but it says that when I am unforgiving, it allows the enemy to have a foothold in my, the door of my life. Job 21, 25 says, Another man dies of bitterness of soul, never enjoying anything good. So if you don't take care of unforgiveness, it will turn into bitterness, and bitterness will deeply affect your life. In fact, the Bible says, be careful, a bitter root don't spring up and defile many. Then it says in Proverbs 4.23, 
Above all else, guard your heart, from everything flows from it. And the Bible compares our heart to a well. You know, if I came up to you and I said, how would you like a nice, cool glass of polluted water? What would you say? Well, you'd say, no way, I don't want that. Well, hey, the pollutants that, that get in our well are the stress, the anxiety, the depression, the anger, and the rage. And the, the things that purify our well, the, thing that, the very thing that helps us to get better is forgiveness, releasing it. You know, Jesus said when he hung on the cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And then he said that if we do not forgive men, their trespasses, he can't forgive us. And so Jesus set the bar. Jesus died for us. He paid for our sins. He suffered for us. He took our place in hell for us. And then he forgave us. And all he asked in return is that we forgive others and release others. And I know what you're thinking. You don't know what I've been through. And you're right. I don't. But do you realize how much that anger that bitterness, and that unforgiveness has been affecting your life. That's why you want to let it go and let God have it. You know, in Proverbs 20, 22, it says, Don't say, I'll pay you back for this wrong. Wait for the Lord. He will deliver you. I often ask people, how much mercy do you want in the day of judgment? And everybody wants all the mercy they can get. Well, if you're being forgiving and you're turning people over to God, you're being merciful. Because God will work with them because he wants them to come to him. And so, remember, forgiveness doesn't mean what happened was okay. But forgiveness is really a gift you give yourself. John twenty twenty three says, Whoever sins you remit, they are remitted. Whoever sins you retain, they are retained. So if I, I don't say I remit you, I say I forgive you. But in the Greek, the word remit, means to take what I have on the inside of my heart and send it away and give it to the Lord and let him take it. When I do that, I'm giving God all those emotions, all those feelings that I've been letting be stuffed up and cooped up in my heart. But when those feelings and memories and emotions try to come back, we got to give them right back to Jesus and not let them in. You know, but when you say, I will not forgive you, you deserved a rotten burn in hell. I won't forgive you. Then you retain all those negative emotions in your own heart, and it really begins to make you sick. I love Isaiah 118. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white like wool. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be white like snow. So we know that forgiveness is key in freeing us up. You know, there was a study by the Philadelphia Cancer Societies. And they did a they did a study and they hired a chaplain to do three hours of forgiveness therapy with their cancer patients. At the end of their study, they had a startling conclusion. They had had several cancer patients that had spontaneous remission of cancer tumors. And they came to some conclusions. They said that they were not saying that unforgiveness caused cancer. But what they were saying is this, that unforgiveness and poorly healed hurting events were what they believed the genesis of many sicknesses, 
and diseases today. Going on, talking about forgiveness. And so we often in in spiritual care talk about the forgiveness cross or the four key elements in forgiveness. Many times people are really mad and really angry at God. And they have judgments toward God when God wants to heal them. And though, and so they're blaming God for things he didn't do, you know. We live in a world with free choice. God made us with free choice, which means bad things can happen to good people. And as a result of bad things happen to good people, people will blame God. People make choices that really impact other people in a negative way. And so we got to release our judgments that we have toward God so his refreshing presence can heal us. Acts 3.19 says, Repent ye therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so the times of repression can come from the presence of the Lord. So it's really important that we say, God, forgive me for judging you, for blaming you for things you did not do. Now on my paper right now, I'm looking at the a form of a cross with a circle in the middle. So the bar going out represents how we need to forgive others that have hurt us. You might say, well, I don't feel like it. Don't wait till you feel like it. Just say this, God, I know I need to forgive them. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I put them on your, your hook. Lord, I do it as an act of faith. Right now, I forgive them. I give them to you in Jesus' name. And you're probably going to have to do that several times. The circle in the middle of the cross represents two things how out of our own pain and hurt we hurt others. So God forgive me. And yet the circle represents another thing. Sometimes it's really hard to forgive myself. And why is that so important? If you can't forgive yourself, you have one hand on the past and one hand in the future, and you are stuck in between. And so many times what happens is that we hold judgments against ourselves and say stuff like, I'm so dumb, I'm stupid, oh, I can't believe I did that. Well, those are false identity statements, and those are lies. Now, if you continue to say them and believe them, they'll derail your life. So you've got to let go of the unforgiveness and forgive yourself now, and let go of those judgments. So what the enemy does, he plays the shame game with people, that if the enemy can't stop you from knowing the Lord, he will try to chain you up with shame and anxiety. So have you ever went to God and said, God, please forgive me, and then you went to God the very next day with the same thing and asked forgiveness all over again, even though you didn't do it again? Well, all of us have done that because we just want to make sure God's got it covered, maybe hurt us the first time. Well, there's a couple of scriptures in the Bible that I really like. I'm going to review three scriptures the one is Isaiah 43, 25. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sin no more. Hebrews 8, 12. For I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. And then Psalm 103, verse 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. So when we go to God and ask for forgiveness, he not only forget, forgives, he forgets. Now, God doesn't have holy amnesia, 
but he chooses not to hold man's sins against them. So when you go to him the first day and you say, please forgive me, and you go back the next day, God doesn't remember them because he's put that away. Now, when God has forgiven you and you can't forgive yourself, you are being harder on yourself than God is. And that is why it's so important. It's like the little elephant who worked in the circus his whole life was chained to a pole and walked in circles all day long. One day the ringmaster came by and cut off the chain and took the shackle off his leg, but the little elephant never believed he was free. And many times we are like that. If we can't get past what we've done, the enemy wants us to live in the place of shame and condemnation so we'll never come to a place where we're effective in our walk with the Lord. You know, Romans 8, 1 is a great scripture. There is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. You know that verse, uh, when they were uh, writing the King James Bible and interpreting it, uh, the writers, and they said, I don't think King James is going to understand it the way it's written. So the way it's written in the original language is, there is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus, period. If you're in Christ, no condemnation. Now going on in the healing process here, we know that healing is always from the inside out, not the outside in. And so I'm looking at what looks like a bullseye or looks like an onion with rings going out on my piece of paper. And right in the middle is something called a hurting event. So we're going to do three things. Normally, when we're at spiritual care, we do three things with every hurting event. We pray the prayers of forgiveness, lay the feelings at the cross, and then we ask Jesus to come and heal that hurt. And then the forgiveness, which is the next ring, that's actually the easy part. New pathways, new ways of thinking, that's where we're going to start or spend the majority of our time working on the new pathways that help you to recognize when you're operating in old destructive patterns of behaviors. Then the next ring is the old is gone and the new has come. 2 Corinthians 5.17 If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And the Greek reads, the old is passing away and the new is coming. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says that you and I are changed from glory into glory. And then Philippians 1, 6 says, He who has begun a good work in you will bring it unto the completion to the day of Christ Jesus. Then the final ring going out is freedom and abundant life. This is where God wants us to be at. And John 10, 10 says, The thief cometh to kill, steal, and destroy. I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Now we're not talking about behavioral change here. We're talking about spiritual change transformation from the inside out. Spiritual transformation from the inside out. So you might say, well, how does that happen? Well, that's a very good question. Have you ever tried to live holy? We've all tried it. It doesn't work. One day when I was reading Leviticus, I found a verse that I liked, Leviticus 20, verse 8. And the Hebrew word for holiness is mekadash. I am the God who makes you holy. In Leviticus 28, verse B says, I am the Lord who makes you holy. So one day I was thinking, if you make me holy, how does that happen? 
Well, our job at Spiritual Care is to teach and help you to have an encounter with the Lord. As you encounter His presence and receive new revelation for your life, that revelation comes to you, flows through you, and it is there becomes a natural change in your behavior. Once you get a new revelation, you're like, oh my goodness, I don't want to live that way no more. So what does God do in our day of pain? He gives us healing in our today to get us into our tomorrow. Proverbs 13, 12 says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is the tree of life. If I have hope, I can draw off it like a tree of life. Joel 2, 25a, I will pay you back for what you've lost, or God will give you everything back that the locusts have eaten. So what that means is God wants to go back to your past and bring healing and restoration and eventually make what was your misery your ministry. And then Psalm 147, verse 3, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Wow, what a promise. And then the next time I teach on the next Saturday, I'm going to talk about your identity and our identity in Christ and how that affects us. And then I'm going to talk about new pathways, new ways of thinking. Man, at 1 a.m., I'm so glad you're up listening. You know, I don't know what's been bothering you. I don't know what you've been struggling with, but I will say this. The Lord loves you. He loves you right where you're at. He wants to help you. Maybe you're tuning back again because you cannot. it's hard to believe that God wants to help you. And there's this strange guy on at 1 a.m. in the morning talking about God's love and healing. Well, you're important and you're valuable to God. No matter what you've been through, the enemy comes along and he says, you know, you're not going to get any better. You might as well just give up because there's no hope for you. That is the biggest lie I have ever heard in my entire life. If you're breathing and listening to me, there is hope. God has a plan and God wants to pay you back for all the years the locusts have eaten. Your situation is not impossible because I know I serve the God of the of the possible. What others think are impossible, it is possible with God. Praise the Lord. So I hope today that my message is giving you hope. I hope that it's giving you encouragement. And I hope that you'll continue to go on. And maybe you don't even know the Lord. Maybe you're listening and you're saying like, I need to know this Jesus that you're talking about. Would you say, Lord, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins and be my Savior. I just want to end the program this morning by saying, God loves you. He's with you. He has a plan for your life. And he wants a relationship with you. And he wants to heal you. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I pray for everybody under the sound of my voice, Lord, that your presence would be with them right where they're at. And I pray that you would bring healing, hope, and encouragement into their lives in the name of Jesus. Lord, thank you so much for loving us, for dying on the cross for us. And I thank you, Lord, because you are good. God bless you. Thank you for listening and have a good night.